In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighborhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. And welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, where we share with you how to become higher value to your dog than anything that the environment can throw at you. And we really do mean anything. And to be honest, everything, right? Anything from a hot dog sausage yeah. that might be left on the path. Yeah, right through to the horse poo. And maybe even rabbit poo. Yeah. We're going to cover it all, We're going basically. To cover everything. So, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started today. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, then you absolutely need to do that. Whether you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or however you want to subscribe, entirely up to you. Whatever works best for you. Second thing is, is we have made a starter book for you. Now, what that looks like is effectively a, resu- a downloadable resource where we kind of get you up to speed with the game changer world. We make sure that you get some quick wins, some immediately actionable stuff. And the way that you get that is. By by going to absolutedogs.me forward slash start and you can then download it there. Now, if you haven't already got that book, you absolutely want to do that first. That is the first thing we want you to do because it's going to put you in a really empowered position. Yeah. So today's exciting. And today is one of the questions that we get asked so, so often. But actually, this specific question has come from Cheryl in the Absolute Dog Sexier Than a Squirrel community. We've got sexy Cheryl emailing in. um, And she says, my question is, my previous dog was quite reactive to other dogs and did not like other dogs one bit. I've just got my new puppy. What can I do to not find myself in the same position? And that is such a valid question. And it's such a question. I I suppose I found that question myself when I'd had Poppy who was really really typical naughty but nice and when we say naughty but nice we mean a dog that maybe doesn't like people doesn't like dogs Mm. doesn't like interaction or maybe doesn't like um, the world in lots of ways could be anxious could be um, worried lots and lots of things however what I found myself doing with Poppy um, or after Poppy, I should say, is any dog I held on lead, I would tense up. Yeah. I would get you worried. You start to anticipate it, I right? would anticipate it. And I mean, this was going back sort of 17, 18 years ago um, that I learned sort of poppy language and then strikes <laughs> poppy, poppy language. language. Yeah. And then I suppose after that, um, when I had my young dog, I would tense the lead up. And as soon as I tense that lead, you could see them looking around and yeah. checking out what was maybe in the environment. They would get worried because I was almost starting to condition this without even realizing it. Yeah. And I think the first thing to say on this before we dive into it is that the past isn't necessarily a predictor of the future. So just because something has happened to you before, that doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen again. And in fact, what we're going to talk you through is some strategies, Cheryl and everybody else, um, who I'm sure you've had this question before, that effectively take you from where you are right now and they will either keep you in that place of having a dog who is good with other dogs or if your dog isn't good with other dogs, actually how you can start to rebuild those relationships. And I think one of the other things, Tom, was for me, I worried that I'd caused it. 
to a degree with Poppy. Like I always yeah. worried that it was it was caused by me. And at the same time, you can equally see how it is caused at times by 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 what by we do. Owners, so yeah. um so actually like I said, Cheryl, we love this question because mm-hmm. we think it can touch a lot of people and we yeah. think it can reach a long way. And that's a real goal for us to make sure that um yeah we don't create um that that struggle. Yeah. Um, and for sure I'll I'll just give you a um I suppose a reassurance here is that actually since Poppy um I have some really, really beautifully friendly dogs some dogs who are robust in any environment with people with dogs with life and I think that was a huge relief to me Mm -hmm. so that's something that we're going to run through with you really the sort of formula I suppose to making sure that you do the best you you can and sometimes you know we don't necessarily get the dog that we expected or get the dog that we thought we wanted we get the dog that we needed and the fact that you know your, your previous dog taught you things Cheryl that is making you ask this question now and you know that there's a better way that in already that in itself already is a gift and very different to where you were prior and to your dog I feel hugely lucky in having a dog like Poppy Cheryl and yet at the same time initially I, I just remember thinking why did this happen to me yeah. so yeah we learn we grow and like Tom said we get the dog that we need yeah so before we dive into that we have to celebrate some game changer Woo! wins um, and this week we want to celebrate Kate. Kate's Game Changer win. And she posted this in our online training academy group, which is like the Netflix of dog training games. And for those of you that don't know about it. And she said this, today I was sexier than a squirrel, a bunny, a stinky bog, a lake, horse poo, a swan, and the ultimate test for him, another dog playing a super enthusiastic game of fetch. I'm so pleased with him. And the comments that we get when we're out make me so proud coolest dog ever the bog and lake were rewarded by allowing access we have an outdoor shower it's fine i'm so glad i found absolute dogs this guy is just six and a half months old and already the goodest of the boys and i just love it because he's the most beautiful retriever he's having a ball he's having a game and i just know that the games that they're playing are only going to take them to even greater places super cool so um guys we love to celebrate your wins with you so if you haven't already shared a win with us then absolutely do so whether that is that you share it on the absolute dogs facebook wall whether you share it in a comment under one of the posts whether you email in whatever it might be share it with us there's a chance to get a shout out now the other way that you can share your wins um, and also give a review of the podcast is by heading over to itunes and um, or apple podcasts depending on which you use uh, and leaving a review there now these reviews mean a lot because effectively the reason why we do the podcast is because it's our mission to make sure that no dog owner or relationship is ever lost now have you been in a place where somebody was telling you something was possible but because you didn't have the context of knowing that it had worked for thousands of others you didn't believe them and you held off on their advice and you were like this this is almost too good to be true or this can't be true or the i don't don't know enough about it to allow myself to really open up to the idea of it to become almost like to 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 immerse yourself in it what reviews do is give people context so give people hope right absolutely so what we want you to do is help by spreading the game change away by leaving a review on the podcast it helps this ripple that's saving dogs lives across the world and also we'll give some shout outs when there are some wins in there as well so diving back into this topic of um, how can we safeguard relationships between dogs and make sure that a dog sees another dog as something that's cool 
but maybe equally none of their business. And how can we equally protect our owners and empower our owners to feel super confident and um, able to handle those situations that are on a day-to-day -day basis? Like yeah. they really are on a day-to-day -day basis. And it is a, it, it's something we need to be able to feel good, good about. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to encounter them. So the first thing that, that springs to mind is that in order to, to work out, in order to move away from what we don't want, we first have to know what we do want. So what I mean by that is that we know what bad interactions look like, right? We know that, you know, it might involve your dog barking at another dog. It might involve your dog nipping another dog even or, or jumping on them. I don't know, or humping. Let, let's go Let's extreme. go with let's, humping. Let's go weird. Um, whatever weird thing that your dog chooses to do. But what we need to understand also is what should an ideal interaction look like? So then we can mindfully observe the interactions between other dogs and really notice when things are starting to drift towards a, a picture that's not that desirable, right? Absolutely, and that's the thing. You, you th Those pictures, they sort of build up to something that really is something um, we want to avoid, yeah. that desirable picture. Let's let's give an example, Tom. Yeah, so um, really, and we, we dive into more depth um, in, in this at times. and. It's about this chain of interaction that happens when any dog meets another dog. The same steps happen every single time. And it's just like a little bit like humans. You know, if you go to a party and you, you know that at a party you interact with people, and you know the chain of events. Nobody needs to teach you the chain of events. You know them, they you, they kind of come hardwired. You know how us, right? you arrive, you know from yeah. arrival where you get to, you I head know, point where you get a drink or say yeah. hi to someone. You head over to someone, maybe you shake their hand. Maybe, maybe you, you give, give them, them a, a kiss. Hug. Maybe you give them a kiss, who knows, right? <laughs> Depends um, how familiar you are. Yeah. Um, so the, the key is that we know the steps in that interaction. And yet sometimes, we'll be honest, the steps don't happen consecutively and they don't happen fluidly because actually we maybe lack confidence to move from one step to another. So I'll let you in on something that I, I just find it so awkward and it's something in me that, that I find this awkward to use people's names because my biggest fear is that one day I'll get someone's name wrong and it just makes me feel like, oh God, it makes me feel Cringe. sick even thinking about it. And I know the step. I know that it's very polite to call someone by their name regularly and, and it shows them that, that, they, that we care about them. And that they're acknowledged and, and that, that you know them. Yeah, and that you know them and that you know their name. And, and you haven't forgotten it. 99.9% .9 of the time, I know their name. And yet I don't have the confidence to be like, hey, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> because Yo. I'm thinking all the time, God, what if actually I, you know, I'd bet my life on it, but equally, what, what if, if I got it wrong? What if I got it wrong and I offend her? So um, it, it's very much the same that I know the steps, and yet sometimes I lack the confidence to do them. And so th there are these these chain of steps that dogs have, um, and this chain of steps is, you know, very roughly and speedily going through it. Because we could talk all day on this one. Would be we see the other dog, we approach the other dog, we then maybe have some kind of head-to-head -head interaction where we, we we meet them head on, but then we quickly move from the head to the rear of the dog give their bum a good sniff nice and then we either engage in appropriate play or we move on 
right? And that's the chain that we should and be seeing. That's the ideal chain, the chain that all of you want, the chain that all of you would um, sort of desire and yeah. the chain that hopefully you are seeing from your dog. However, yeah. please don't worry if this is not the chain mm. that you see because we see many, many dogs um, and, and Tom and I work um, with many, many mm -hmm. dogs who don't have this chain, yeah. right? And the reason why they don't, they, they have a break in the chain is because actually they're lacking some underlying skill that's needed for, to move from one step to the so, next. For example, one of the things that we see a lot, Tom, and particularly with, um, I, I don't know, I, I do see a lot in Border Collies, but at the same time, many breeds, I've mm. seen it in many breeds walking, um, but where they see another dog in the distance, mm -hmm. they lie down and they can't move. Yeah. So they, they stop dead. They right? just like, become, that's such a typical break in the chain. Yeah, they just become like still and they can't move out of stillness. And, you know, they, they're a few different concepts that are underlying there but the key is that what we're saying here is that the, the skills to be able to move forward in that chain are not trained in that situation the more dogs that they meet that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stop doing that and in fact it can get worse because often it's due to a lack of anxiety it's due to a, a feeling of anxiety a feeling of worry a lack of confidence and so you know guys what it's like for you if you're worried about something and you get repeatedly exposed to the thing that you're worried about nearly nine times out of ten you feel more worried about it every single time and you anticipate the worry right so actually what we're saying is that a lot of the the success of dog dog interaction happens outside of any interaction it happens by playing games by reshaping their brain by playing games that teach the the concept of confidence or teach the concept of optimism and then they can take that optimism and confidence and use that to complete the chain it kind of drives us a bit crazy when we hear of methods and we hear people giving advice of like oh you need to socialize that dog they need to learn how to speak and maybe dog. they need to meet i don't know 10 different dogs a day and if you to meet like 10 different dogs a day then that's going to help right yeah. not and, and the, just just to clarify exactly, guys that is not what we're asking exactly because like how if we think about it it's kind of arrogant to think that we can teach a, a different species how to speak their own language right we the fact is is what we started with talking about here is the human chain of interaction you know the steps it's that you don't have the skill to move from step to step sometimes and not only is it uh, like tom said potentially arrogant i'd also say that it's actually quite dangerous mm. to be doing that and for me that advice of meet 10 dogs a day and 10 different dogs is actually um can, can be positively well, i think negligent mm. advice to give because so often those experiences would be bad mm -hmm. and one of the top tips that we're going to give you in a minute is that actually you want them to have um good experiences and actually one bad experience is very dangerous yeah. and when you're going to meet 10 different dogs every day mm -hmm. uh, we would guess that some of those interactions aren't going to be so good yeah so that leads on to the second thing that we want to share with you on this one that, that springs to mind and that is that the absence of this this should frame all of your dog training and all of your dog owning the absence of a negative experience far outweighs 100 positive experiences. So what we mean by that is that exposure and repeated exposure and repeatedly putting our dogs in these situations all the time is sure opening them up to positive experiences, but it is open, opening them up to the possibility of a bad experience. And that's, I think the biggest thing is when we say opening up to a pos possibility, actually 
it's realistically going to yeah. be highly likely, yeah. isn't it? Because you're, it's volatile. Yeah. It's volatile and you really don't know. You're putting, you're putting them in repeatedly in fairly uncontrollable yep. situations, yeah. right? Um, where you don't know how the other dog's going to react or you, you don't know um, how, whether that dog has a complete chain of interaction themselves and is skilled Absolutely. enough to deal with that. And, and, and with that, your dog's probably got some, you know, some skills that are lacking, that are meaning that, there's an area in within their chain that they're struggling on. So it, it's a little bit like putting two um, two socially awkward people together and expecting them to have an amazing, flourishing conversation and without some input. And expecting them to input. feel great, right, yeah. about it afterwards. Yeah, and yet, realistically, they're going to feel anxious about that. They're going to feel worried about that. And let's be honest, do we, do we make the best decisions when we are anxious? No. Do dogs make the best decisions when they're and anxious? Do we make the best decisions when we're actually feeling awkward yeah. or um, that actually the scenario is potentially set up, if yeah. we're honest, like really for, for, for us, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's something that happens so often in dog training, so mm -hmm. often in the dog training world is let's use dogs for this. Let's use dogs to try and yeah. um, help this situation. And, and yes, there are, there are times and places with appropriate dogs and appropriate people and appropriate setups. However, the whole idea of just risking um, that one bad scenario yeah. um, uh, for me isn't worth it no and and the 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 cool thing is about this is that our dogs come hardwired with this understanding of the steps of the chain of interaction but also they're a naturally social species so they it goes against every every piece of their dna to not get along with their own species. So actually, we're already winning before we even started. So the absence of, do, of them having a bad experience far outweighs it's, any good experience. So much more powerful to actually actively safeguard mm -hmm. against bad experiences. Yeah. Um, it's powerful. Yeah, and it's weird that we're talking, we're gonna talk about this on the Absolute Dogs podcast, but I think it's worth noting is, let's take a different species. Let's talk about cats, okay? We love cats. Tom's favorite, favorite of the species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're the funnest vet patients. They're great. Um, and so- um, Very authentic. <laughs> um, and so with cats, you know, they, they're a species that actually have not developed, not that part of their evolutionary history is not to, um, not to be social. So it, cats are, you know, Unique, unique compared to dogs in the sense of they actually just come together in in the wild if they were left to their own devices to mate one another um, and also if there was food that was very high value food and they valued the food more than they hated the other cat they would hang around the other cat just about right uh, and so within their whole genome there is they've not developed the ability to diffuse situations they've not developed this this chain of interaction like dogs have and it's not hardwired into them so who's seen um two cats having a standoff where you see them just staring at each other and if you think, God, if, if they were two dogs, that dogs would have tried all kinds of different signals before just kind of staring and being like, I don't know what to do here. And cats are literally, they're so socially inept that they're just like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And you see the pressure mounting. It's like the pot is boiling. The pot overflows and they just attack each and other. And the noise. Right? I mean, the noise oh, of cats. Word. I mean, especially when we're abroad, I often hear that like, Rah! that's the noise. There it is. That's, um, the noise. that's the screaming cat noise. And I mean, it keeps you awake at night. They are, it's a whole new league of noise. Mm. That's Tom's cat. That's, that's 
Tom's cat. Um, I He's thought you were going to say that's Tom handling a cat. No. Uh, so the the key is that um, actually dogs they they are naturally very skilled at interacting with their own species, and so really we have to safeguard that innate ability rather than try and force some language us teaching them a language that actually most humans don't really understand the chain of interaction, let alone um, let alone trying to teach a dog it right. Yeah, and I think the big thing here is I mean we're actively encouraged to get our dogs to maybe places like I don't know a puppy party or maybe um, I mean running um, the centre here at Devon Dogs what I see so often Tom is people come expecting to have some level of free play or yeah. social play yeah. and what we would really actively and this makes encourage us do this. I think it's the other noise it is makes it? me put that hat on no, it's just maybe not quite that. Maybe no, um, I'm maybe, so glad I managed to record you laughing last week. It's been it so bad. useful already. It so bad. <laughs> um, so what I would say is that it, it definitely, Tom and I definitely go into a mild meltdown when we hear this because we know that probably the best thing that we can have in a class situation is dogs focusing on their owners, mm-hmm. able to work around other dogs, able to interact, look and check in mm-hmm. and not at the same time have any sort of free play or yeah. um, sort of boisterously running into each other or having that situation in a small sort of space where they maybe um, are close around food or just just often those things go wrong mm-hmm. in those setups. So for us, that's not something we prioritize. And equally, puppy parties and things like that, again, we would manage them very differently to your typical free-for-all. Yeah. So again, it, it's about teaching our dogs not how to interact with their own species. They know that, let's not kid ourselves. But actually instead that you know what, the dog over there is cool, it's nothing to worry about, and equally it's none of your business. So you're actively not putting yourself in situations where you're going to get into trouble. And I think that cue, having that cue or that statement or that um, phrase in your sort of vocabulary, your Mm -hmm. toolbox at the tip of your tongue, this is none of your business, Mm -hmm. is quite a nice one because I quite regularly say... Yeah, that's none of your business. And I will actually say it to my dogs. Mm-hmm. That's none of your business. Hey, mm-hmm. come over here. Because I think when you've got that in your sort of mindset, it doesn't then throw you when it mm-hmm. goes to happen because you know, no, no, that's none of your business. Yeah. So you can then help with the disengagement. And for us, disengagement is really important. Yes, I own a border collie who might want to stare and fix stare at another dog. However, can she disengage and then recheck in with me again? Yeah. And, and the, the cool thing about that is if you start to think about things in terms of you see a dog on a walk and you're thinking, hey, that's none of your business that's none of my business that actually it's framed as an opportunity to teach your dog something rather than this this gray area that seems almost uncontrollable and and like oh god do i go and greet them is my dog going to get frustrated if i don't greet them the reason why dogs often get frustrated when they see another dog is because they've had a long history or maybe not even a long history they just naturally value other dogs because they're a social species and they've had they they have this expectation that they're going to go and interact with them so frustration ensues that frustration is just the emotion that comes about when you know we expect something and it doesn't happen mm-hmm. humans experience it all the time right and and so when when they experience this emotion of frustration it starts out like that but over time nobody wants to feel frustrated it feels punishing it feel it's like a negative emotional state it doesn't feel great and so over time this frustration transitions into a feeling of fear a feeling of anxiety a negative emotional state and that's when effectively a, a, a love of dogs 
so easily transitions into a fear of dogs just and the, the bridge is frustration so the key is to teach our dogs that actually other dogs they're great and they're also none of your business most of the time so great cool you can feel safe around them equally 99 percent of the time they're really none of your business yeah. and i think that's something that's so valuable to learn yeah so how do we do this well let's give you a practical practical tip um on how we might start start to do this with with our young dogs or even our older dogs that have maybe learned that other dogs are something to interact with whether positively or negatively right um so what we would do is we would take some of that daily food allowance that we always talk about that pot of value and this sounds really obvious but it's key is we'd spend some of that daily food allowance some of that pot of value we would spend it around other dogs at a distance with the other dog present so every time on your walk you see another dog how about you start feeding your dog some of their daily food allowance and you walk away from that other dog feeding your dog their daily food allowance. So your dog learns, hey, that's cool. When I see another dog, I get a cool time with my owner. So yeah. I get to be sexier yeah. um, with my owner than I am over there, yeah. right? Like we're you sexy as the owner. sexier than the dog. The dog is also <laughs> um, realizing that it's a sexy place to be, right? Yeah. Like it's a, it's a cool place to be because they're going to get that reinforcement and um, rate from you. And I think that's the thing we forget is that if we don't offer an alternative and we don't offer an alternative act activity or choice or something yeah. to do and the choice framework we give is go see the dog or do nothing then yeah. go see the dog's a pretty attractive option especially for an inherently social species mm -hmm. sure the nonchalant cat who's just like mooching around and only cares about themselves yeah we might get away with that we will not with dogs and taking them to puppy parties is only reaffirming it's, that to them i think that's the other thing that tom and i really feel very passionate about is that actually puppy parties as much as um run well i think they can have um a place yeah. uh but the majority it's certainly of the puppy not a party parties, when they run well yeah right? <laughs> no it's it's definitely more of a more of a sort of um, a preschool yeah right like it's it's definitely framed more as a preschool and and i think that yet yeah, run run badly or or, um, really traditionally I suppose would be that actually it's a free-for-all and our dogs learn that interact with other dogs is just having a whale of a time mm -hmm. be in their presence and your owner um, is only there to pick you up and, and drop you off yeah. so actually they get to lose sight of any value or relationship or um, and, and I think for us it's important we keep that balance yeah absolutely so the what we're saying here is that first and foremost we have to decide what do we want how does the ideal interaction look so that we can when our dogs do have interactions, we can get early warning signals that maybe we, we see an early break in the chain so we can take them away from that interaction, teach them the skills to then go back into that interaction. And, and they, they know the language, they just need to have the skills to be able to use it. Second thing is that actually any bad experience far outweighs a hundred good ones. So that totally flips this idea of exposure and socialization on its head and the third thing is is it's not about teaching dogs to absolutely adore and love other dogs it's about teaching them that they're great and they're great at a distance so effectively other dogs can be most of the time none of their business now that was this episode of sexier than a squirrel and if you have not already subscribed what are you doing you need to subscribe and if you have not already downloaded the starter book what are you doing you need to download it do not miss out this is yours it's your opportunity we made it for you. don't miss out so the way that you get that is by going to absolute dogs that's all one word absolute dogs dot me that's m e forward slash start 
do that make sure to leave us a review for the podcast that really gives context to lots of other dog owners that are really out there looking for help they're looking for the answers and the answers are here so they need to find it see you in the next episode of sexier than a squirrel and in the meantime remember stay sexy Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today, where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.